Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Charlie. And I'm Hannah. And we're two 20-somethings who are reading our favourite childhood book, but this time with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode, we're talking about... The off half blood prints. <laughs> so, grab glasses of mysterious liquids from around the world and join us on this drunken, reminiscent journey. Hi. It's been a while. Don't. They hate that. They hate that bit. As a bit, I think that's one of their least favourite bits. Oh, no, wait. The the bit we need to do is guess, guess who's back. Back again. And guess who lives in fucking London again? It's Charlie. Yay. Hi. Uh, so we've been gone a while and it's Hannah's fault because she's been on 1,000 million holidays. She's not fucking done yet. It's not my fault. It's your fault. I of our faults. have done nothing wrong in my life ever, actually. Honestly, yeah. So I went on holiday, then I moved, then Hannah went on holiday, then Hannah went on another holiday, and then what are you, what are you doing next week? I'm going on holiday. I deserve a lot of holidays um, because I am special. Yeah, she's actually going to the same place that my parents are going on holiday at the it's same fucking moth. We summoned the moths. <laughs> we with summoned a conversation them. about moths. Yeah, she's going to the same place at the same time as my parents, and this allegedly is not them going on holiday without me. I booked it first. I booked it first. Your parents are stalking me to different countries. Well, my mum apparently wants to meet your dad. Something that she felt the need to tell me in a uh, private, private chat. chat. So we broadcast it to thousands of people yes last week i continued um our original joke of visiting i don't want to use the word strange less visited countries because of in jokes yes and i went next door to albania and visited north macedonia yes absolutely brilliant just as beautiful as albania would highly 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 recommend yep Um, i i went back to albania yeah yeah we went for i think three days on um a family holiday to albania so i've now been to albania twice yeah only one time i was a bit although i'm pretty sure this time was only because my dad is who's very well traveled because of work disliked that i'd been to a country that he hadn't been to oh is your dad gonna get annoyed that i've been to north macedonia now oh yeah he's probably already like looking up flights he should go we should all go we should visit all north go. macedonia we've actually become tourist boards for uh, less visited Balkan countries. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's our new niche. <laughs> yes. How are you aside from your one million holidays? I'm great. I'm great. Apart from my one million holidays. Yeah. Well, because of. I love that you can be like in the middle of one million holidays and you're like, you're like, I'm great. I'm great. Like, <laughs> I am great. I'm not lying. There's something in your eyes that's like, help. 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 Help, help me. Help me. Help. help. 
no i'm great i'm really happy you just you don't blink when you say that i'm really happy <laughs> oh stop it how are you i yeah i'm fucking great there we go but like, I don't know, potentially the first time during the entire history of the podcast. Oh I'm God. Like, I'm like fucking brilliant. Like I've moved back to London. My flat is lovely. I mean, aside from the fact it was fucking disgusting when I moved in, it was so dirty. Uh, but yeah, my flat's gorgeous. I had a housewarming last night, just a little dinner party, but it was really, really lovely. Yeah, good times, good vibes. Good times, good vibes. Good, 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 good times, good vibe. Hats. Yeah, yeah, much, muchly. I feel like... Sorry, another get your bingo cards ready. Oh, God. I feel like I've forgotten how to podcast. Oh, sorry, I just touched your leg. <laughs> I actually don't like that. <laughs> My leg's bare. Get off. Uh, but only one leg is bare. That's the hell that kids... I'll touch the other leg. This is less awkward if I do this. <laughs> um, yeah, I've forgotten how to podcast. Great. When did we last record? Two months ago. Yeah, for Barbie Oppie. Was it Barbie Oppie weekend? Yeah, Barbie Oppie. Wow. I think so, anyway. It yeah, must have been. Two months ago, we've taken a bit of an unintentional break, but you well, couldn't have had it any other way. It was both intentional and unintentional. The thing is, we normally take a break at the end of the season, so what we really did was take the break two Yeah, we just probably early. won't. We'll probably only miss one episode in between seasons rather than two or three. So Yeah. Do you remember we didn't used to do that, though? We literally only started that break thing like a year, two years ago. Yeah, but I mean, you know. Great, let's do the film. When did you watch this film? This morning. morning. With, <laughs> hilariously, my trans ex stayed over last night for dirty minds, platonic reasons. And um, yeah, so I was like, I was like, Amy, I'm so sorry. I have to watch a Harry Potter film right now. <laughs> I just have to. As soon as a trans person stays over my house, I must put Harry Potter films on. I was just like, to make people supremely I feel like I'm hate-criming you right now. You are now. a hate-crimer. Yeah. Speaking of uh, my trans ex, Amy, uh, she is actually having a... I'm not sure if it's GoFundMe or one of the other ones. Crowdfunding. Uh, crowd, it's crowdfunding. Crowdfunding. I don't know what platform it's on. I uh, can't remember, but the link will be down below. She's saving up for facial feminization surgery. She's someone like deeply, massively important to me. She's my ex, but we're like incredibly close friends now. So if anyone Yeah, has... they had a great argument last night about whose fault the breakdown of the relationship was. The rest of us love that part of the dinner party. It's not an actual <laughs> argument. I know, though. that's what was funny about it's it. It's just like... This is like a bit, but we were all like... <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, we know that we're just winding each other up, yep. but then everyone else takes it really seriously and we're just like, no, Lol. this is literally a bit. No, she's someone very dear and close to me and I know that this is something that would help her mentally so much. So if anyone has at all any money, no matter how small that they can spare and want to put it towards a very good cause, uh, then yeah, hope you... Hope you... Help help your local trans girl. And yeah, the link will be down below. Thank you in advance. I watched Where, this oh, film. Yeah, so in, I, you watched it this morning. Yes. I watched it in four separate chunks over the last three weeks because I couldn't find two hours to spare. Yeah. See, I, at first, so I was like, I wasn't massively hungover. I mostly was on like four or five hours sleep um, and then just a bit hungry and dehydrated. I started watching it and I was like fully engrossed. I was like, actually, this is like the perfect like hungover. Sure. Like, and I've not been watching the films lately at all. Like probably in the past year, I've maybe watched the first two and that's it, I feel mm. like. And yeah, and I was like, this, uh, this is hitting the spot. I was lying on the to. sofa. I was like, this is 
this is doing bits and then my attention started slipping more and more like this film is long and then amy woke up and then i was like well <laughs> this is uncomfortable <laughs> so my notes just get like less and less and less it was a bit weird this less. was this was i realized no we must have done one in lockdown i feel like this is the first one we watched separately maybe we yeah we normally make a bit of a thing of sitting down together to watch it and what's weird is as i was watching it i realized so i since we begun this podcast made a pact to not watch any of them until we get to that one so i've only rewatched one to five because we've got past the fifth book so because we've been running this podcast five years i haven't seen the sixth film in five years wow. and then decided i didn't have time to watch it in full i've watched it in four chunks one of them on my phone on an airplane so <laughs> it's just how the director intended me oh to yeah, watch yeah, it. Yeah. yeah yeah it's the snyder cut <laughs> the, the... Yeah, easy jack. Oh, did, were you there for the conversation yesterday, by the way? Speaking of watching films hungover, for the Sucker Punch conversation. No. Have you seen Sucker Punch? Technically, but I really hated it. It was one of those films where I hated it so much I could not pay attention to it. Okay, because the morning we were all hungover in North Macedonia, stick the telly on in the background, we're all just trying to figure out life and get ready. And it's Sucker Punch. Mm. I have never seen this film before. I genuinely thought I must have taken some sort of wild drug the night before and was still tripping, like watching it. I was like, why am I watching like a 20 minute My Chemical Romance music video? Yeah. Like what the fuck is, and then it like switch it and the color grading and the makeup and the music, like I genuinely thought I had taken something yeah. and was tripping. I cannot tell you what that film was about and I've seen it. I just, it was so awful. I was like, I can't. And I know people love it and it's a cult <sighs> classic and they normally love that kind of bullshit. No, could not stand it. Maybe I need to try it in, an, in not in a hungover mood, but yeah. Jesus wept. I was confused confused let's talk about another film so yes. uh you're back to the absolute batshit categories we decided on five years ago I... and have refused to change in all these years i was making these notes like these categories do not work we set them when we were learning how to podcast and they really are it's not it's part of the bit it's part of the bit we must do these stupid it doesn't stupid... work oh no wait we have drinks first and oh, patrons shit. first oh god yeah that See, we've forgotten how to podcast. So, the drink is an interesting one. Uh. Let's start with that. The next two episodes are all full of things that have been kindly hand-gifted to us in some way. So some of these were handed to us in person. At Most of them picnic. were via Nikita. <laughs> some of them were via Nikita, illegally going in between countries. Full disclosure, we, in a space of a month, were handed personally so many things that I... And some of them had, like, handwritten notes attached to them that then got, like, mixed up that I spent two hours trying to assign notes to every single different alcohol, I might have got slightly confused with some of them. If you're one of the people and you're like, oh, that's not quite right, please just message me and I'll apologise. All the alcohols are here. I just ended up getting... Because I was trying to track down, like, some people handed it to us in person and said, I'll email you about it, and then emailed a week later, and I'm like, I've got no idea now. So yeah. I've really tried my best to track and pin everything down. So this came from Lara, who came to our summer picnic. This Lara... was so funny. This is so funny. So Lara gave us Fernet... Branca. Fernet yes. Branca. By the way, you can see how I've tried to do it. These are notes I've handwritten myself and gaffer taped yes. onto things. And she fucking sold the shit out she of She was this. like, oh, it's Argentinian. It's amazing. So it's an Italian aperitif that became popular in Argentina. Argentina. Why am I saying Argentinia? Argentina. 
What's wrong with me? She wrote out instructions. You put it in a cup with half a cup of she ice. She really hyped it. 20% Fernet, 80% Coke. She says it's delicious. It's like the most popular drink. Everyone loves we it. We were so excited. We were so excited. And then we brought it home. And Neil looked at the bottle and kind of squinted his eyes. And then went, hmm, and went into his notes app. And I was like, what are you doing? And he found in his notes app a note that said, Digestivo, do not order Fernet Blanco. Which dates back to a few months before this when we'd been out and ended up in some, was it like a Portuguese bar or something? I don't even know. And Neil decided to order this. Petifs. And there was five of us and we drank it. And we hated it so much. It was it was so bad and all five of us normally there's one of us that's like oh it's actually okay and like there's rogue alcoholic weirdos in the group there's normally at least one of us will be like actually yeah no all of us were like to the point that neil made that note on his phone as like a reminder to never order it again because it was that bad and yeah we went from being so excited to neil being like it's that and we're like no no but we tried it neat yeah so what's worrying me is the yellow foam on top have you noticed the yellow foam yeah so yeah this is mixed with coke right and we've got two alcohols this episode and two alcohols next episode from different people this is mixed with coke oh that's so bad oh it's nowhere near as bad as having it neat but what it tastes like is you've put toothpaste in my coke and grass yeah toothpaste and a bit grass in my coke why do you i'm sorry europe why are this all european drink drinks grassy argentina what's that from europe? europe is that no it's... oh shit yeah of course it is <laughs> speak spanish but south america opposite a world map geography <laughs> But no, to be fair, it's it's from it's Italy. Since the year 1845, the secret formula stop keeping it secret of Fernet Branca has been based on infusion from a unique blend of selected blossoms and so rare aromatic herbs. My point stands all European Yeah, it's made in Milan. Just taste like grass. And yet yeah, stop Stop. What are these rare herbs? Get rid of them. Stop it. Yeah. I don't need these rare herbs. I think the herbs. rare her- herbs are grass. I think they're like, out. They basically, they mow their fucking lawns and then they're like, you know what? Well, I put this to waste. They make fucking liquor out of it and they need to stop. So thank you, Lara, for this drink that we dislike. Let's do some patrons. Thank you. So yes. we've got a lot of new patrons that have come in since we last recorded. So a Tess of the Durberville size thank you to Tess. A chocolate size thank you to Chloe. A can we? Yeah. No, but okay. <laughs> Hannah texted me the other day and she was like, "I want you to voice note how you think this name is pronounced." And I am so fucking proud that I got it right. So I only. Did this and what? Uh, so this person has also sent in a howler for the next episode, which we're recording right after this. And I saw it come in, and I was like, "Hmm, M E A B H." I have never seen that written down before, and I was just like, "Don't know." Clicked on the howler to hear them say their name at the beginning, and then was like, "Ah, okay, that does make sense." If I'd sat and thought about it, but I never would have got it. So maybe yeah. you say it. It's Maeve. It's Maeve. It's an Irish spelling. Yeah. Maeve. <laughs> That's the thing. Having an Irish ex, I think that I'd seen enough irish names because we used to talk about names a lot why has it got a b what's the b 
doing in there? I it's think... got a V? You can't say Maeve? It's got a B! <laughs> but I was so proud. There's no way you expected me to do it. <laughs> no, I thought you were going to be like... Well, you did say first, is it maybe? The thing is, because that was my like first reaction. Yeah. And then like I literally got halfway through and then I was like, it's Maeve. It's Maeve. So a maybe size thank you to Maeve. <laughs> a killer whale size thank you to Kalia. A tiller whale size thank you to Talia. A what? I don't know, I made it up to write with yours. Why? We're a not that whale. drunk. Why is a this so chaotic? A tiller whale is those killer whales that have been attacking the boats. That's a bit old news, but... <laughs> We're so good at current cultural references. So we can listen to us in five years and be like, oh, also, this is just a, a shout out to Toby and Kimmy if you ever get this far. <laughs> I have a personal friend who them and their boyfriend have just started listening to this, but they're on season one and they keep being like, so this thing you said, and I'm like, A, you know me personally, please stop. B, I don't remember it was five years ago. And they're like, do you know how often you two talk about how much you love Ezra Miller? And I'm like, I know. We purposely don't go out and remove things because we don't believe in it. Please don't bring it up to me. I mean, me and Neil literally as in moments ago we're having this discussion because we're going to the um, The, uh, uh, IMAX at Waterloo tomorrow. And the last time we were there was for the Fantastic Beast screening. And at the time we were all like so in love with Ezra, so excited to see them. And most importantly, we're like, well, thank God they didn't bring out Johnny Depp. (laughs) Now it's like, oh, oh. <laughs> but yeah. Apparently, we both talk about how wet we get for Ezra Miller. So that was in season one. Anyway, so thanks to Camille and Toby for listening. Um, yes, I'm so excited to no doubt one day meet Toby at a party and just be like, oh hi, and him being like, it's the other one, it's the voice, it's the voice. A toe size thank you to Trisha. A leopard size thank you to Link Leo. A super califragilistic expialidocious size thank you to Sasha. A Mika size thank you to Mika. I hope this is the Mika. I hope it's... Do you know how much I love the Mika? I saw Mika live this summer for the first time and I would... This is how I imagine a religious experience feels, me seeing Mika. An Eleanor Rigby size thank you to Eleanor. A Becky with the good hair size thank you to Becky. And a low-key size thank you to Laurie, who has upgraded their pledge. Thank you all so much for joining. Um, we haven't done bonus episodes in a while, let's be honest. But there is such a big backlog of content on our Patreon, which you can access. Um, there's, I think, 50 episodes of backlogged content on there, from vlogs, which is some of our favourite, to um, talking along through the films, to reading My Immortal. And you also get access to our Discord, which is a wonderful, friendly, supportive and terrifying place. That's getting less bad. What's getting less the bad? The drink. Yeah, I know. Now, let's get on to Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Okay! So, my main thing when watching this... <laughs> You've got one note. <laughs> my one note... Was that it's so funny how they put so much work. You can tell that their main thing was opening this film. We need to put forward shit has gotten real. All this shit's happening. They're, the Death Eaters are like... Sorry, sm- is this a plot note? Should we just remind people of our of our categories? Well, this is an overall It's an overall film. You know, sorry, I'm so sorry. The Death Eaters are, you know, attacking bridges, kidnapping... Bridges. Ollivander, there's 
they're they're wreaking ha- and it's all like big dramatic music yeah. boom, 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 all this boom, dark boom. evil shit is happening it's like really trying to be ooh big scary Voldemort's here blah, 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 blah. and then then it just turns into a rom-com <laughs> with a really dark ending <laughs> like they really went yeah the first 10 minutes that's the drama the tone of this film is batshit crazy it's like bookended by like dark drama and then the middle is all just unnecessary rom-com and they're like why put the plot when we can awkward scenes between harry and Ginny and adding burning the burrow which adds Don't, nothing we'll to get the there, plot we'll get there, we'll get there. but yeah weird that they just really went all in on this opening to then be like and now the entire film is going to be about romances even though we're giving you none of the information you need for the next film it's by far the most tonally bizarre film of the eight like by far and away it's so bad yeah it's so bad there are elements of the film which are fantastic but it lands overall what's that what's that what's that Oh, that. That's it. That's what makes it. Yeah, that. that that's the good part of that's the film. That's the good part of the film. There are elements of the film which are fantastic, but it lands overall just, just so fucking weird. Mm-hmm. So the notes we will be covering in our Fantastic Four. <laughs> We're not changing it. You can't make us change it. We know we run this podcast and we can change it. We're not doing it. We refuse to admit our mistakes. <laughs> so it's staying. So number one, we will cover the plot of the film. What's the plot of what? the film, you ask? It's the plot of the film. Have we just spent, what, two years covering the plot of this story. No, 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 sorry, but it's not going through the plot of the film. That no, would no, be no, no, stupid. No. It's just mi- miscellaneous. It's miscellaneous. But we do it into one of the other categories. But we do it first. Um, yep. Number two, casting. This one makes some sense. Does it make sense to go second? No. No. But this is where it's going. It also made a lot of sense when we started this. And now Let's there's like play. one new character of film and it's like, okay. <laughs> Number three, the word which doesn't mean what we think it means cinematography essentially anything film make anything that makes the film a film like behind the camera and the last one <laughs> adaptation <laughs> or adaption whether you're american or english definitely different to plot it's very different to plot let's go <laughs> <laughs> let's start off strong with let's go why Energize. does harry potter become a player <laughs> Harry gaslights her about the fucking newspaper. He's like, why? Why you're insane? You're seeing things. things. You're not seeing a paper with my face on the front. Statue of secrecy. What? what? I'm just gonna read this animated. Like, surely there should be like a spell or like a I don't know to make the newspapers pause moving for when you're in public. Also, what if you left one somewhere? Even if you had paused the image, what if you left? One of the newspapers just forgot it on the fucking tube. And a muggle was like, yo, what's this? Oh, magic exists. It, or it should have like, yeah, if it's in front of muggle eyes, it pauses. There's stuff that can or do like, that. Yeah, or they see something else, you know? But also, why is 16-year-old canonically awkward Harry trying to pull an absolutely but fucking was he? gorgeous... Yes. No. Was he? Because all he he starts to ask her something. We don't know what it was. And she's like, that's blah, blah, blah. I that's get off when at, I get off. I he, get off at six. <laughs> he might not have been asking her out. He might have been asking for directions or anything. She's just like, yeah, this is when... You... Also, I'm sorry, Harry. Harry, you're taking on her... her 
her on a date with what money? <laughs> you have no money. You have no fucking and money. Also, you have no game. And also, this girl is so hot, she would not go for you. No. <laughs> like, she's about four foot taller than you. <laughs> I know I'm not one to talk in terms of taste of men, but the, what was she seeing? He's 16. It's randomly so roaming a cafe. In a station. <laughs> Do you know which station this is? Oh, I read it once, I've forgotten. It's Surbiton. It's Surbiton. So it's near Kingston. Lovely. And one time when I was in university, I got on the wrong train and I had to get off, like, once I realised that was the first one that I came to and got off there and I was like, why is this station familiar? <laughs> That's funny. And then it was like weeks later, I was like, oh. Wow. But yeah, so it's like, it's, it's our ends. And I like it because even though it's like completely fucking unnecessary that they filmed it in Surrey, like no one's Good actually going to know. Like it, it genuinely is that. So I'm sure that they just picked it based on aesthetic, but I quite like that it's like okay, so the Dursleys must live like kind of near like Kingston, Surbiton area. Yeah, which is weird because before I'd kind of always assumed they lived much more like non-Londony Surrey. Mm. Nice one, idiot. Yeah. Um. Well, I don't know because, but I suppose Harry's Roman. He's Roman, and like we kind of, well, we don't know if. Uh, Vernon commutes into the city or that's a good point I could, actually because the thing is he says that he's been riding around on trains so in my head I feel like they might live like near Guildford mm. would make sense yeah that makes sense the one redeeming quality of this weird scene is the bit where the poster is for the magic perfume which is a genuine perfume that exists and then the train goes past and Dumbledore's appears in front of it is yeah. absolutely the kind of thing which you couldn't describe in a book and is perfect for a yeah. film and i i fucking love it it makes me just do a little giggle every time yeah i do also love the line harry just being like i like riding around on trains one because mood <laughs> two because have you seen that cartoon where it's like i like trains <laughs> and they just get hit by the train no. have you not seen this no where's your next note mine's at the burrow my next one was saying that i bet that dumbledore and molly swap knitting patterns Mine was, so they get to the burrow. There's some bits I'll mention in the other categories because we unnecessarily split this not by order of the film by stupid categories. <laughs> I love how much this must piss people off. Pisses me off. It pisses me off. But I won't admit I was every wrong. Every year we have to look up how to do it. I, ha- I couldn't be bothered to go back to the episode so I ended up scrolling through my hundreds of notes to find it. <laughs> Can you imagine if we just change it for film eight? Anyway, my next note is they get to the burrow, la la la. And then there's this scene which you pointed out in film five and they do it again in this film where they just get the three of them to laugh at absolutely nothing so they can use it in flashbacks. And this one is just like, how old's Dumbledore? I don't know, like 200? No. <laughs> 150, which is only about 30 years older than he actually is supposed to be. I thought he is meant to be 150. So, okay, because I, I googled it. At one point, JK said he's 150, and then at another time, she said the year he was born. And it's like. Yeah, but she's I think, shit at years. Yeah. So I think he's actually, like, according to year he was born, is actually like 120 or something like okay. that. So it's like close enough that it's like. This is not. And also, what really annoys me, it's like Emma Watson's like just. She cannot fake laugh. She just kind of... <laughs> she just does this, like, breathy, like... <laughs> and it's, like, the worst, like... And they just... Over nothing. And I think it happens quite a few times in this film. I feel like I was just getting really annoyed where it's, like, unfunny line. <laughs> and the thing is, when they 
use those clips in montages and flashbacks. It looks great. It does look like, oh, wow. But just take that as B-roll. Stop forcing it into the script. Yes, it's, it's so, so bad. Or, like, I... or get a better script. Like there were points in this where I was like, I know that some of the young, I'm talking about Jenny, can't act. Like, but also get a better script if yes. they're struggling. Like, try harder. Yeah. I, okay. Bonnie, ah, uh, it's... We'll talk about it in casting. No, 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 because, no. You want to talk about it now? Yes. Okay. I do. Ask. I just... <sighs> she's so... I'm. So, she's very good at other things. It's not only is she not good at acting, but it's not even like she's being made to act opposite someone she doesn't find attractive it's as if she's being made to act against someone that she is like physically repulsed by like can't look at him can't nothing that he's that like just even the thought of Daniel Radcliffe just makes her want to peel off her skin. That is how she is acting. There's a bit when she like runs towards him, but she's just like stiff, just kind of, and it's supposed to be her being like, oh, like it's Harry, like a good, she just kind of awkward. Like, it's like, she's repulsed by him, which there's no reason to be, but it's just so bizarre. It's not even like, she just doesn't fancy him. It's like, she's disgusted. And also she's, delivery of every line is so monotone and flat it's unbelievable it's like i've never heard such a lack of tone in something someone says it's just like come here you open up i'm like where's the intonation it's anything come on and this was clearly like this wasn't one take yeah you probably did this this is the best one like they would have been making her and like just could she really not then be like you just you know any expression in your voice no it's just and oh it's it's distracting yeah it's like and like this is absolutely nothing against bonnie right as a person she now like uh produces and directs and is a brilliant environmentalist and has written great books and on she how was to be cast from so young and she was cast from so young but jesus christ jesus christ yeah. they do another like awkward breathy giggle you've got a bit of toothpick why is that funny it's not funny and they just go <laughs> so we can have the bit later where they add in that the thing she can smell in the potion is toothpaste rather than leaving it but because it's not the funny is too dumb to work out that yeah. if she just doesn't say the third thing that she fancies yeah. wrong the audience is too dumb to work that out. and i'll but tell you why is... the audience is too dumb to work that out because this film batters you over the head with harry and hermione yes. it is egregious it yes. is disgustingly egregious thing is like i don't even mind that you've got a bit of toothpaste but it's not funny why do they do the <laughs> after why i have a train base rant go on so they show the Hogwarts Express going through the Scottish countryside. Mm-hmm. I counted the number of carriages. That number of carriages could not even fit 200 pupils. Show your workings. I don't need to, it just wouldn't. There are not enough carriages on this train to even carry like 200 pupils, let alone the 1,000 that are meant to be at Hogwarts. And it's just, get some more carriages. It's just stupid, it just pisses me off. Yeah. I will say, where the other laughter was forced, I don't remember what this line is relating to, but there's... Oh, no, I do. It's the the scene where Harry and Ron are in the corridor and Professor McGonagall has to tell them to go to lessons or something. Mm. The Harry and Ron banter is actually pretty well done and quite natural in this film. They yeah. genuinely do seem like two 17-year-old boys who are friends. Like, it yeah. comes across really well, which makes the worst cases of the interactions yeah. between some of the kids really stick out. I think it's Emma Watson that can't fake laugh. 
Oh, fake banter, yeah. Yeah. She just doesn't seem like... Well, unfortunately, no, she does have some good banter and good chemi- chemistry moments with Harry, and then the film just really pushes into that. Yeah. The bit in Slughorn's first lesson where the potion bows up in Seamus's face. I know I shouldn't like it, but I do, and it's cute. If you take it out of the context of it being Seamus, it's a really cute throwback to film one. Yeah. Oh, I had another note, sorry, that's before that. We're such good podcasters. Such good podcasters. That when they go to, what's the evil road called? Nocturne Alley. Nocturne Alley. To, like, be like, oh, this is the evil bad place. They have, like, a mentally unwell man that's, like, stood up against the wall, just, like, facing the wall, just giggling into it. And I'm like, hmm, let's maybe not use, like, mental illness as, like, some kind of moral indicator. Like... Oh, this must be the bad place because there's a man man facing a wall. wall. Let's not do that. I enjoy how also in the Nocturne I scene they give them like, there's suddenly the trio of Spider-Men and can climb up a fucking roof. Right? (laughs) We've never seen these three do much like physical activity before and suddenly they're roof climbers. Well, they're like the Scooby-Doo gang. (laughs) Harry, when he was in primary school, did end up on that roof somehow. There we go. That's where they got it from. Dumbledore, like, awkwardly asking Harry about Hermione. Oh, that's so forced, that bit. Yeah. And the thing is, again, this is a reoccurring thing in this. They put it in unnecessarily to try to quell the amount of Harry and Hermione shipping that had happened. But that shipping had happened because the film itself keeps trying to ram Harry and Hermione down our throats. And, like, this film is by far the worst for it. Like, there's so many instances where... Those two are having a conversation, they have really good chemistry, or they add in all this extra stuff. Or it's like the stuff where Harry's comforting Hermione about Ron, there's so much additional stuff added yeah. in that's like seems really romantic. So yeah, then they had to add in this bit where Dumbledore's like, Oh, Miss Grange is lovely, and Harry's like, No, I don't like her. It's like, but you seem like you do. You yeah. seem like you do. It's just really unnecessary. There's another bit where Harry is explaining why he's like sucking up to Slughorn. And saying that Dumbledore asked him to. And he's like, it's got to be important. If it wasn't, Dumbledore wouldn't ask. Do we think this is true? Or do we think that Dumbledore absolutely would give Harry busy work to try and keep him out of trouble? He's like... Ooh, that's a good point. Harry, Harry is a troublemaker. Is, I've got this colouring book. And to defeat Voldemort, we need you to fill in this entire colouring book. Don't go hunting down any prisoners any blonde haired boys you fancy any big spiders just coloring book and harry's like it must be important he wouldn't ask i've got this really important you know challenge i've got three whole crayons i like that as a theory yes yes i really like that (laughs) on the note of we'll get to the biggest one in adaption um of them adding in super unnecessary stuff while cutting half the book out but they uh, they also add in tiny things in relation to slughorn which confuse me so number one is the hourglass they add in this hourglass where the sand moves fast if the conversation is stimulating but slow or stops if it isn't Mm. and they add in this whole thing about lily giving slughorn a petal that turns into a fish neither of these things add to the plot of the film at all they're both just like weird MacGuffins that Slughorn has and I genuinely I've been trying to wrap my head around why they'd be added in like I don't get it 
Yeah, it it's just trying to establish that he knew and had a relationship with Lily, but that it feels like there's a lot more efficient ways that they could have done that. Yeah, I mean, and again, it's that thing. Does that really need over explaining? We already know that he like collects. Yeah, the fishbowl one I can almost get. The hourglass one added nothing weird. for me. Yeah. I, did, I don't get what that was adding. No. And again, when you've got like, these films had really limited time, really had to pick and choose what from the books they were going to include. And then who was sitting in the writing room going, oh, but have we thought about an hourglass where the sand moves faster when there's stimulating conversation? It just feels like someone had an idea that they really liked were like oh this feels so harry potter and creative and they really wanted that hourglass in there no do you know what the hourglass feels like what merch yeah merch opportunity yeah i really enjoy the random lack of glass in the staircase where the hermione setting the birds on ron scene takes place which i can only assume is just so that wind can be in hermione's hair as she sets the birds off like just for some reason in this corridor in a scottish castle Uh there's there's no glass in the window this film does have incredible one-liners though one of them being she only fancies you because she thinks you're the chosen one but I am the chosen one. It's one he of my favourite lines. He is the chosen one. He's not wrong. It's one of my favourite lines in all the films. I love it. Do you want to talk about the mince pie bit? No. Open up, you. Why? It I... makes me want to rip my skin off in tiny strips and the set thing it is, on fire. There's no way that could be acted that it wouldn't be horrendous well yeah this is, is what i mean thing. about the scripts being bad like they sh- never should have given and also like, no one flirting is ever like open up you is like, that is that how 17 year olds flirt like you mean you weren't just force feeding neil things no well clearly you missed a trick clearly i just cannot wrap my head around oh it's so it's so bad and then it's followed not five minutes later by shoelaces why is why is her flirting acts of servitude feeding him and tying his shoes? It's oh, it's so bad. It's just I I just feel so forced. Yeah, like I honestly would rather them had just written out the entire Harry Ginny plot point because it goes nowhere in the film. No, they didn't actually need it in there. No, they could have maybe put you know more of the entire point of this book, which was Harry being prepared for you know book seven well they put it in and then didn't even end up including the bit where harry has to make the decision to break up with her to protect her yeah so that's left hanging for film seven as well yeah it's just something i do enjoy that they added into the burrow the one bit of credit i will give them for all the stupid christmas stuff they did i really like the scene where harry has a chat with arthur in arthur's shed Mm. Um, because that chat does take place in the books they use some lines from the books but they move it from like somewhere random in the house to his shed and I think that's really nice because it adds like another set that we haven't seen it adds a level of intimacy between them in a kind of father-son way that is really nice to see Molly and Arthur really don't get many lines in this film so I really liked that moment that they added in you watched this this morning yeah the bit where Ron gets poisoned Mm -hmm. and Harry gives him a beezor are Beezles mentioned in class? Is that scene included? And did I actually like sleep through it or not concentrate? No, it's not in there. I thought it wasn't because what is in there is a tiny line when Harry is queuing to go into Slughorn's lesson to ask him about Voldemort. 
and Slughorn is letting out a group of like year sevens and year eights. There's a line which Harry hears that says something about, oh, antidotes and bezoars. So that's what they replaced it with. But that is not a good enough setup to make Harry not seem like some sort of fucking genius. But also the audience doesn't know what a bezoar is. This is the problem where we're such book experts that I can't tell how to watch it without that background information. But that line, if that's all it is, is not enough to explain Mm. to non-book readers that why harry would know what it is why he'd know where it is anything this is why i find it so wild when people are huge harry potter fans and haven't read the books i went to university i i'd lived with a girl who was like used to say she was a massive harry potter fan used to try and be like oh, i'm a bigger fan than you hadn't read the books Mad. and i don't get how you enjoy the films without that knowledge yeah because I find it so hard to know what bits of plot I'm only understanding because yeah. like, cause your brain just fills it all in. So I'm like, oh no, I definitely saw a scene where like they filmed the words on the page that said, just stick a bezoar in him. I don't think they did. I don't think yeah. that's there. I think I'm just making it up. Did you know that the did you know? line is, he's been poisoned, you daft dimbo, not bimbo. I fucking didn't until I watched it. What, in the, the hospital scene? Yeah. No, I thought it was Bimbo. No, nope, she's blonde. Dimbo. Dimbo. I had it with subtitles on. And then I went back to be like, huh? And she said Dimbo. Dimbo. Which is so weird to me because... I've never heard that word. I've never been. heard it. I definitely would say... I did Google it to check that it is. And it is like a real like thing. At right. That essentially does mean Bimbo. But definitely Bimbo is the commoner term which makes me be like did they consider bimbo too like rude too gendered like maybe they're like oh we're gonna get called sexist if she says but i don't know because it just feels like why would you say dimbo Dimbo. like i was so confused yeah i had no idea i always thought it was daft bimbo nope dimbo right okay Mm, i do love in that scene that the teachers are all just standing around watching this lavender hermione fight like and all of them if you look have a different expression of like either fascination boredom or content it's because they're like you him you're fighting over him him? that's do we know that's ron weasley like and they're all just there like blinking like (laughs) okay skipping ahead unless you've got something before to the bit where Harry's got the memory from Slughorn. Uh, well, my note was that Harry on Felix's 10 out of 10. Cinema peaked. Oh, I put that in casting. Uh, and uh, Daniel Radcliffe finally worked out how to act. Yeah, I put that in casting. It's the only good thing about the film. It's absolute. It's delivery. Well, by all means, sir, come along. <laughs> The delivery. So good. I don't know. Neil, I was watching that scene this morning and Neil was next to me in bed and went, did they give Daniel Radcliffe coke before he did that scene? Potentially. So yeah, Harry's got the memory. Him and Dumbledore have watched it. And then we get one of the stupidest lines of the film that I cannot believe whoever was checking the script let in, which is Dumbledore comes out the memory and goes, this is beyond anything I ever imagined. No, it isn't. No... No, it isn't beyond anything you've ever... Because he then goes, oh, it's beyond anything I ever imagined. But here's the ring and the book that I've already destroyed. And I think I've found another one. Well, it's not beyond anything you ever imagined then. 
it, wh- who let this line in? It really pisses me off. It makes no sense. The whole point, even in the books, it's a bit like, okay, so you guessed there were seven. Okay, so your your guess was confirmed. It's a bit annoying, but fine. This is like, and also the other thing I notice is this film never says there's seven Horcruxes. It never, ever, ever says it. And this film has no excuses for anything it does wrong like this because every book was out and they were in pre-planning yeah. for film seven and eight at the stage. I just, I just, it's so badly like the only reason this book exists is it's setting up the next book. Mm-hmm. Uh, like its entire reason for existing is explaining all of this Voldemort's backstory, the Horcruxes, how they're gonna know what they are, yep. and yet they don't include any of that. This film, you could watch it and not watch this film. You could watch all of them and skip this film. You wouldn't lose a thing. No, it would make just as much sense. Yep. This film has no reason to exist. No. So then, yeah, the entire point is to set up the Horcrux hunt. But it's like we have... If you didn't... You wouldn't know how many Horcruxes they're hunting. And also, Dumbledore says the line, well, they could be anything. Mm. The whole point is that they're not anything. They're yeah. treasures and trophies. But because they didn't include the other scenes, he has to say, oh, they could be anything. So how the fuck is Harry meant to know what he's searching for in the next film? And when to stop searching. And when to stop... And it's it's so dumb because <sighs> they have chosen to focus on the romance over the like fantasy plot. Even though I'm sorry, you have Bonnie Wright that is the worst actor ever that has no charisma with Daniel Radcliffe, and then you have Ron and Hermione who I'm sure potentially could have had charisma. If but you, you would give the past... Ron a single line. Yeah, you spent the past like five films just character assassinating him to the point no one wants him with Hermione based off the films. So no one's going to be rooting for that really. So you've got two couples that absolutely like no one is invested in and you're focusing on this over the plot which is why people love the books i'm not saying you can't have the romance in there but don't make it the central point of the film there's so many romances out there that are actually people with charisma and good script and chemistry and we don't need another fucking rom-com we want harry potter we want the plot the thing is i'm pretty sure this is the first no this is the other thing that's shocking about this is this is the first one where jk rowling sat in she's credited as i believe an exec producer or she at least sat in on the script reading because how dumbledore was came out as gay was during that bit where he appears at the station the script originally had something in that said Dumbledore said, oh, I had many evening with a lovely girl. And J.K. Rowling said, you have to cut that out. Dumbledore's gay. So that means she did at least a pass of the script, which like, is this yeah. not your job? Well, to be fair, it's not. The, the script editor should be doing this. But Jesus Christ, like, yeah. oh, my God. So, OK, then we get something which <sighs> they've added in because they're lazy. I don't hate it as a visual medium. So what they add in, instead of telling us how many Horcruxes there are, what they might be, anything like that, they add in something where the Horcruxes can kind of talk to each other. So therefore, Harry gets weird... It's when you hold a microphone too close for a speaker. (laughs) Yeah. Which, as a visual medium, I don't despise, actually. But as an extremely lazy way 
of not explaining how many Hawkers there are, where they are, why Voldemort chose to make them, the significance of the objects he chose, rather than just using Harry as a fucking metal detector. This is what I said. It reminds... So this reminds me of Akatar like calls to like. Yeah. They... That's what this is like. Yeah. I, and... I like, I quite like the visual bit where Harry touches the ring and gets a load of flashbacks. That was kind of cool. Uh, so then in film seven, he just kind of knows where the Horcruxes are by by that and he's getting flashbacks. And the one good thing about them doing this is the absolutely amazing line where Dumbledore goes, but magic, and Harry touches the ring and gets a load of flashbacks. And then there's a pause and Dumbledore looks, his face changes and goes, leaves traces. And I think that was the film trying to say... Yeah. This is the moment where Dumbledore realises Harry is a Horcrux. Mm. The moment Harry touches the ring and it spins and Harry gets a flashback and Dumbledore is then looking at Harry with a really weird expression and walks around the desk and goes, leaves traces. I was like, ooh, that's quite good. Yeah. But it pisses me off that they had to do that because of their own fucking laziness. Yes, yeah. They chose to add in so many moments that weren't needed and weren't in there yeah. originally and focus 90% on the romance. Like, I'm not saying the romance shouldn't be in there, but it, it should be equal to what it was in the books if not less honestly when you have you know yeah limited time with no charisma yeah um but yeah they they could have actually explained it and they didn't and it's infuriating it's honestly Whew. casting Woo! jim broadbet is wonderful uh, but too nice and yes. bumbling for Slughorn. This was my note. He's too sympathetic. Yeah, way too sympathetic. Like, he doesn't have the Slytherin streak I need. Yeah, he... In the books, he's such a perfect grey. And he's just too likeable in this. The same way that Alan Rickman's too likeable. I think it's slightly... It's a different kind of likeable, though, because I felt like... This felt like Slughorn was doing things accidentally. Like he yes. was just kind of like a bumbling posh boy who didn't know he was being a bit rude rather than having that streak of like uh, self-preservation and, and arrogance. Uh, yeah, being selective and elitist. Yeah. And that yeah. isn't... I think that's the script's fault because Jim Broadbent is absolutely fantastic in every role he's ever played. So I don't know if it's the script or him playing it wrong. Yeah, I, I think it's the script because I think they were trying to do the rom-com thing. Yeah. They would have rather have had him as like a comedy figure opposed to being true to the character. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think he acts it wonderfully. I think he's brilliant. I think it's just the scripting issue that he just comes across as way too like sympathetic. Yeah. We've already talked about how awful Bonnie Wright is. Sorry, sorry Bonnie Wright. Sob. Has the actress playing Narcissa been in the films before, just in the background? Or is this the first time she's in it? I don't know. Yeah, I need to look that up. She's absolutely brilliant. But what made me really sad is I realised the bit where her and uh, Snape do the Unbreakable Vow, they're both dead. So oh, yeah. young. Like, so young. Yeah. Um, but she's absolutely brilliant and oh my god this falls more into cinematography hair and makeup but the hair rather than just doing full white blonde like the rest of the Malfoys yeah. to do the black so it matches Bellatrix with the white oh genius oh yeah. good lord Cruella de Vil so hello iconic Ico just whoever came up with that hats off like Jesus yeah. Christ Bellatrix in this film is going for that paycheck mm -hmm. like She's acting her ass off compared to everyone else. 
And everyone else is trying hard. Yeah. She just delivers everything with ten times the pizzazz of anyone else. Yeah. Jessie Cave, have you watched her audition? Yes, I have. It's... How do you do that? How do you go into the room as, like, uh, you know, nobody? And at this point, obviously, Rupert Grint is massively famous yeah. already. And they literally, you haven't watched it, pause the episode now, go watch it. They made her like crawl all over him, being all like desperate and flirty and stuff in like a really cringe way. And I'm like, how do you have the confidence? Like, that's the most brutal interview, interview, audition audition ever. Like, wow. Yep. Wow. She's phenomenal in this. Yeah. It's kind of a shame we only really get one film of her and they didn't cast someone to play lavender and it's kind of the problem they have with a lot of the background actors they didn't apart from Seamus and Dean they didn't long cast anyone which is really a shame because I kept spotting I don't think Dean had a single line in this film but I kept spotting in the background because he's now shot up to about seven foot two so he sticks out in every scene and I'm keeping like god why didn't you use him because his acting skills nowadays are phenomenal you know it's kind of weird that they didn't cast like the female Right? Gryffindors, but they did the male ones. Isn't that bizarre? Wonder why that was. I'm sorry, but Katie to me will only ever be, be the Basil, Basil Brush girl. girl. And it, I remember, it takes me out of the film every yes, time. I'm like, it's Molly I, from Basil Brush. I was annoyed when it came <laughs> out because I was like, this just completely breaks it for me. Yeah, like, it's Molly from Basil Brush. She will yeah. always be Molly from Basil Brush. Yeah, soz girl, you're typecast. Americans yeah. aren't going to know what we're talking about. Just Google Basil Brush. But presumably, the, the modern because Basil Brush has been on telly forever, so it's just our era of Basil Brush. Yeah, yeah, but, Molly. Know. They hired. To play young Voldemort, not young Voldemort, young young Voldemort, the child one. We'll get to the other one. <laughs> like, there's teenage Voldemort, there's a new one, and there's kid Voldemort. Yeah. Okay, kid Voldemort is Rafe Fiennes' nephew. He's one of the Fiennes dynasty. And they hired him because he looks like Rafe Fiennes. And that's the only <laughs> good thing I can say about him. Yeah. Because he just delivers everything in a sort of monotone. And I know he's 10, but... The only way that delivering everything in a monotone works is he comes across as really creepy, which kind of works for Voldemort, but it doesn't because he's meant to be slightly charismatic yes. as a child, but instead he just comes across as someone you'd lock in a room and never let out. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> I'm like, no way that child is coming to my school. What the fuck is we wrong with it? We can lock him in one of my creepy built-in cupboards. I would. He's just like, I could make animals say things. My flat has these really creepy built-in cupboards that have never been finished so the inside is just concrete like solid concrete and just like kind of dirty and stained and it really does give the vibe of a child has been locked in here at some point like it's like every horror film when there's like a dank dirty basement this is the vibe of the cupboards I would lock Rafe finds his nephew in that cupboard. <laughs> yes, I think we should hunt him down. Yeah, I know he'll be a full-on adult now, but uh, boy, you're going in the cupboard. You're going in the cupboard. <laughs> but yeah, they only hired him because he's part of the Fines dynasty. I, I think that might be the episode title. <laughs> boy, you're going in the cupboard. <laughs> and it relates back to Harry in the cupboard. Wow, we've come full circle. <laughs> Voldemort's in the cupboard now, bitches. Teenage Voldemort. Also hate him. Awful. Yeah. Um, Look, they peaked with Voldemort in the second they film. They really did. Chef's kiss. Love him. Yeah. This one 
is just not again you've made him too creepy read the books he is meant to be like extremely handsome he doesn't look handsome he looks like a dweeb he's meant to be like charming he's gonna reel you You're... in whereas he just comes across as like i'm going to say evil things now yes Tell me, evil McEvil, this evil knowledge. Where is it It'll to be, be fine? You could have never known he'd turn out evil. I'm like, I could have sensed it a mile off with that kid. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Literally. Isn't it? Um, Wasn't that guy in Doctor Who as well also being really creepy? Oh, I don't remember. Who in so. Doctor Who? Uh, in an episode with aliens. Or oh, they weren't. Yeah. <laughs> I was <laughs> like... <laughs> The best line you've ever said. Which episode of Doctor Who? I don't know. It was one with aliens, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I just laughed so hard. I think some blood might have come out. Oh, where? Oh, where? I'm I'm China. China. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. I think it might be an air. You queeped is what you've just told me. I laughed so hard I queeped. That's the episode title. <laughs> to talk about some of the existing actors, Alan Rickman gets better and better every film. He didn't have many lines, but the bit in the Christmas party where someone says something to him and he just turns around and walks off was so good I cry oh. laughed. Um, he also his acting when he is voodoo kadoodling Dumbledore is just chef's kiss so good it also really made me laugh I don't know how this is the first time I've put it together but the fact that he like topples Dumbledore off the top of a tower and I'm like it's like Alan Rickman in Die Hard I thought this with the slow-mo falling I'm like yeah shot for shot has anyone like put them side by side (laughs) I bet they have I'm sure they have we've talked about Darren Rad's absolutely brilliant spider acting but can we talk about the bit where Lavender's drawing the heart on the train and he's just fiddling with the seat cushion because I don't know whether it was scripted or he just started doing it it's so good it's so awkward he's just like it's just brilliant. Like, you can tell he's really... I think with the kids, you can tell when they've really, in between films, put effort into learning new skills. Like, they mm. said they went to acting classes in between films. And, like, I think you can really tell he's trying, which is great. Rupert is absolutely excellent in the love potion scene. Really good. Just funny. I think these films make... Maybe it's just that there aren't too many light-hearted moments in a lot of these films so when you have these breakaway moments when they're acting more funny you're like oh god they're good aren't they yeah that's the thing like and i mean harry potter is funny and it should be funny yeah it's just for me that they go way too hard in like the rom-com direction and it's like you can have like comedy but also like the darkness and the fantasy yeah like you can very much do that yeah definitely that's what you should be doing you can't be like oh no we can't have serious plot and also jokes you can do both yeah. Speaking of seriousness, though, the star of the actors of everyone is hats off to Tom Felton in the tower scene. Like, Jesus Christ, you outacted everyone. Like, fucking hell. Yeah. And for not being in it much the last few films and then having this big, important... And he was in a, this one a lot more. He had, like, breakaway scenes which weren't from Harry's point of view. And, oh, my God, it... it I think about it quite often how good his acting is in that scene. It's fantastic. He's very good. 
shame he's a transphobe. It is a shame. <sighs> we Wait. now have some delicious chocolatey thing. Mud. So this is from Helena. Helena. Dear Hannah and Charlie, I already, I've already given you my alcohol request for my episode, but I couldn't pass up the opportunity to send you a little something via Nikita. Feel free to try it either on or off air. Up to you. Thank you for continuing to bless my ears. Aww. All the best, Helena. I'm so, so excited. This, this is the packaging. Look at the oh. bottle. It looks so good. Look at it. Mozart chocolate liqueur. Oh. All natural ingredients. I'm going to enjoy this. Yes. Gorgeous glasses. Mm, thank you. But it's fucking good. It's oh, just it's like delicious. A thick chocolate milkshake that's vaguely alcoholic. It's great. I wish it was socially acceptable to be an adult and drink chocolate milk. Again, you worry far too much about things that are socially acceptable to be an adult. Just do it. If you want to do it, just do it. But the gremlins in my wall will see and judge me. You don't have gremlins. That's Todd. Todd is a gremlin, but will not see or judge you. Cinematography. The focus on Dumbledore and his hand in the opening flashback is brilliant. So basically, the film starts off with a flashback to book film five, and the camera pans in on Dumbledore putting his arm around Harry's shoulder, but it's the arm that ends up blackened mm. and burned. Brilliant. Well done. Yeah, it's something that uh, these films, it's not the first time that it's been done. They also do it a lot in film three that i really enjoy is this like depiction of like the hot summer as like a depressing mm. thing which i feel like is quite uncommon but they really do this kind of like all oh, the grass is dead yeah it's all like brown and orange and it's like too hot relentless yeah. like muggy depressing it's quite unusual because normally, obviously, the summer's shown as, oh, it's so bright. Yeah, and you're right. Sunny and gorgeous. And it's quite interesting that they kind of twist it like this, mm. especially to show how Harry views his summers as yeah. like this, like, relentless, like, Unending. horrible, depressing yeah. time, which is so different than what we usually view them as. Yeah, you're right. I like that too. Yeah, because there's even, like, the steam on the windows in the cafe and, oh yeah. Yeah, there's some, like, great wide shots of just, like, all the, like, just orange dead grass. I've got to say, overall, I'm not going to attach this to a specific thing. The way they lay out shots in this film is absolutely phenomenal. The framing of every shot looks like a piece of art. They spent so much time on it, which they didn't need to spend on what is a YA film series. Like, there's this shot where an aura is pacing up and down in front of the door to the Great Hall while you dump, and it's a wide shot of Dumbledore doing his speech, so the aura is almost in black as he walks back and forth because the lightness of the Great Hall within, it's like, ah, the safety of Hogwarts is only contained within this room, the danger is right out, oh god, mm. and like they constantly have the outside framed with all these archways within Hogwarts and everything looks like a painting in this film and they're the good things, I'll say. The framing is gorgeous. Yeah. The fuck is with the colour grading in this film? This one came out, I think, like, around the time Twilight did. And I feel like it got badly influenced by yeah. Twilight and colour grading. Because this film is really, like, grey in not a good way. And it's so dark. And, like, for a film that's part rom-com, there are some scenes that are so dark, I can't see what's bloody happening. Oh, this is my pet peeve. peeve. Like, just... Games like, do it a lot as yeah. well. Like Skyrim is 
awful for it. You basically can't play Skyrim if you're like remotely in a bright place. You have to like max screen brightness and dark environment as possible. It, mm-hmm. All bits of it are genuinely unplayable. Yeah. And I've repeatedly asked Todd to fix it and he just meows at me. Rude. Rude. I know. So rude. But yeah, I get that this film was going for a like, oh, everything is so much darker. But if you are filming things, there was stuff going on in the background or foreground that I genuinely couldn't see what was happening in this film. Then you fucked up. Like, it's stupid. Yeah. The decision to put Draco in full suits in this film was a strange one. Yeah. I don't get the full suit wizarding thing. Yeah. I especially don't get it with Draco. He just looks like a like he's auditioning for the young apprentice. <laughs> Yeah, or he's like going to his prom or like someone's wedding and he's in like, yeah. Weird, very weird. We've got a third new Pensieve entrance. Thank you. We love to change up how the Pensieve works every film. Cheers. Thanks. Consistency. I love it. Again, we haven't worked out how to have glass in Harry's glasses in every scene. There was one where it was so obvious there was no glass in the Mm. glasses. I was like, come on. Is it that hard? Really? Like, a characters wear glasses all the time. Is it really that hard? What did you think of Luna's Christmas dress? Can't remember. Oh, I really liked it. Silver tiered. Oh, yeah. I thought it was quite a good representation of how it was described. Well, it was described as dress robes in the books, and they fuck dress robes in this film, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Rumour requirement as the room of lost things. Absolutely brilliant, because you could pause it at any point and spot props that have been used in previous films yeah really good so good from them like oh i spotted a chess piece in this one and i was like oh i love it yes because it's so easy for them because they genuinely cost efficient yeah because they genuinely did have storage rooms of old props and yeah i'll just fucking shove it in like oh so good from them and makes so much sense like yeah where would the chess pieces end up yeah in the room of lost things i love it there were bits of score i really liked in this film i really liked the score as they went into the cave and I really liked the score when uh, the the fun potions music did it, did it, did it. Like, yeah. When they're making the potions. I love the beer with the fucking fire. It's, it's so, so good. Cool. I also put cave too dark, fire good. Yeah. <laughs> it looks so sick. Yeah. My like weird question though is why the fuck are there like massive gemstones sticking out of the island? I don't know. Why isn't it just rocks? Why are they clear? Yeah weird yeah that was the only scene that i didn't mind actually being too dark and almost black and white but it would have been a lot more effective if the rest of the film was brighter because then you would have been like whoa this scene is so dark but yeah the rest of the film's bloody dark so i can't see what's going on yeah the bit where dumbledore's dead and they all raise their wands brilliant addition absolutely love it 10 out of 10 no notes like it's it works really well on screen it gets rid of the dark mark i don't know why i just really like it and something I noticed in this film, which I'd never spotted before, but nearly made me tear up, which makes me glad when I rewatch things and I'm looking for stuff, is when Harry's in Dumbledore's office and he is like looking over Dumbledore's desk and then McGonagall walks in. Just before McGonagall walks in, it's panning over the desk and there's a bowl of sherbet lemons. Aww. And I was like, <laughs> Big sad. Big sad. Would have been sadder if they'd ever med- mentioned sherbet lemons in the oh. film, but... That was actually all my cinematography notes. Yeah. I feel like I've already ranted about most of my adaption notes. It's almost like our categories don't work. I don't know what you're talking about. I like that we do get an intro through the muggle world, but it's not the Prime Minister opener, so it's not good enough. But 
they tried they went into a muggle office i guess yeah they really they're like let's do this big showy dramatic thing because you know that's what fucking hollywood and cinema's like but i just feel like it would have been a lot more impactful to do it the way in the book just because it's exactly. something so different yeah. like we've had a lot of like big blasty scenes throughout harry potter i think actually kind of taking it into like a really bleak normal yeah. muggly kind of thing and i think if you got like a couple of really good actors yeah. behind it i think that would have been really good i agree why can the death eaters fly again i already mentioned it in the last film but i hate it why are they, they do balls be dumb. of smoke stupid hate so them there's this bit that they kept in from the book where harry claims that he doesn't know that there's been a smear campaign against dumbledore this didn't need to be in there because it's not mentioned in the rest of the films. Like, it's not mentioned that he's been throwing out the Wizard of Mort and things like that. But they left the line in. But the film showed, at the beginning, Harry reading the paper front to back. Whereas in the books, it just shows him, like, reading the top of the paper and throwing it away. Don't yeah. keep lines in that directly contradict things you filmed. It's stupid. Yeah. So something I add in this film, which I do really like, and it's one of the first films to really do it is scenes away from Harry's perspective. I feel like the films have always mostly stuck with Harry's point of view, whereas this scene, we get Spinner's End pushed further back, but we get it, and it's done really well. And we get Draco in the cabinet. So the audience knows about the cabinet before mm. Harry. And I think it works really, really well. I'm really glad it was in there. And it gives more time for Tom Felton to do his acting. And <laughs> I just thought it was great. <laughs> don't know why that phrasing has amused me yeah it gives him more time to open cabinets and close cabinets yeah we don't really have the time for that in other films because they have to like cut so much and fit so much in but i'm really it's an advantage of a film seeing things that aren't just from harry's point of view yeah we've got some you mentioned that they don't hire they didn't hire like eleven parvati for all eight films like they did for the boys but we do have some extra random Gryffindor girls in a lot of scenes that have never been there before and are clearly not in Harry's year just yeah. stuck in the wrong scenes just stick anyone in a Gryffindor tie and it's fine yeah there's the great scene this is great continuity where it's night time it's it's bedtime and Harry and Ron are lying in bed bitching about Dean where's Dean where's Dean where's Dean in a room that they share with Dean Dean's just crying. Literally, this is all I can imagine. The camera would turn around and Dean's curled up in his bed like... <laughs> There's also Ron just being really weird, being like, Dean, Dean's brilliant. It's like, calm down. Well, he's like, get his slimy hands off him. Dean's great. I'm like, are you all right? I mean, Dean is great, but... They kept in the bit where Hermione kind of asked Ron to the Slug Club dinner party, but fucking ruined it again because of the character assassination of Ron. Yeah. Hermione goes, I was going to invite you. And unlike in the books where Ron is kind of flattered and flustered, they make him go, really? And then in the next scene, Hermione's like, I was under the impression we were going together. It's like, how would you be under that impression when his answer yeah. was, really? It's, there's no fucking plot consistency no. with this. Like, they really do just add things in and then completely contradict it like it's fine. Yep. Bizarre. Yep. Neville is constantly a replacement for a house elf. No house elves in this film, just Neville being a servant of the party, <laughs> of course. Why not? And then we get my least favourite part of this film. The 
the barrow. <laughs> what? Ginny <laughs> just stands there. Like, it annoys me. There's a bit when she comes face to face with the Death Eater and she just... And then Harry runs up and is like... Defa- Ginny's meant to be a badass. Like, the books are like, Ginny would fucking kill a f- yeah. bitch. Like, go, Ginny! She literally just... And then the thing that annoys me the most is that then when Harry jumps to defend her, he does fucking stupefy. It's not even like he does some super advanced defense that's against dark arts that in she Harry- wouldn't that's- know. Mm-mm. He just... She knows stupefy. Why is he the one, like, protecting her? Because she's in her dressing gown and she's scared. That's not Ginny! But also, why is the scene in here? Okay, so what the film did is went, oh, I'm going to cut out, I'm going to cut out all the fantasy plot. I'm, I'm going to make it a rom-com. And then I can only imagine they got to the end and went, oh, it's a fucking bit rom-com-y, isn't it? Yeah. What can we add? What if we just, what if we just burnt down the Weasleys it- in the middle of it? What if we just raise the stakes by burning down the Weasleys oh but you need it for the next film they'll forget about it by the next film they'll forget about it we can host a wedding there it's fine it's fine don't stop worrying about it it's just burn it it down it goes on for so long as well it's such a long scene that has no fucking consequences nope the Death Eaters just decide to leave they've literally like we don't know what they wanted They've got them surrounded. They're literally all cornered on like a little thing, surrounded by Death Eaters. And then the Death Eaters are like, oh, fuck, dinner's ready. I can hear the oven timer. And just <laughs> fuck off. It has no consequences on the plot. No. Like, it directly it, contradicts the next film. It doesn't film. even really raise the stakes. I feel like the stakes are already pretty high. Or you could, you know, include some of the actual fucking plot. Well, that's the thing. I feel like they included it because they're like, this film's getting boring. The film's getting boring because you cut out all the interesting yeah, plot. Yeah. You've created your own issue. And it's like such a long scene that's them just like running about between like seemingly the burrows in the middle of a marsh. I'm really confused about how they get to their home. Like, just, just in a swamp. It's Shrek's <laughs> just running about the swamp. Going, get out of this swamp. Get out of this swamp. <laughs> it just goes on and on and on. It's a zoo, zoo. Yeah, it just goes on and on and on and on and on and adds nothing. Like, they probably could have got like half an hour of extra plot into that one fucking scene of them just running about going, zoo, zoo, zoo. zoo. Oh, wait, we've got Harry Potter cornered. Should, should we bring him to the Dark Lord? Nah. Nah. Dennis ready. Oh, the entire burrow was burnt down. Should we build it so it looks exactly the same, including all the imperfections yeah. in time for the next film? Also, like, there were protective spells. What happened to them? Why did... If there were no protective spells or if they could be easily broken, why does this attack only happen now? Why did they wait? I hate it! <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so dumb. How did this ever get signed off? bathroom scene the bathroom fight is interesting change something i hadn't clocked before i believe in the books right harry stumbles across draco accidentally or does he discover him on the marauders map i think the map okay fine but he still sort of somewhat innocently discovers him and then is trying to not draw attention to him he attacks when draco attacks in the film he sees Draco staring at Basil Brush Girl. <laughs> and then chases Draco into a toilet. Like, 
Draco is like, I've got to get out this hall. And Harry starts running after him. And Draco notices and runs to a toilet. And Harry's pursuing him and then says, I know what you did. So it's a lot more like Harry provoked Draco into this attack. Harry was asking for it. Yeah, he was. He was. But yeah, it just seems a lot... I don't know. They changed it with Harry chasing Draco down. Yeah. I don't think it works as well. Also, <laughs> you know in the book, Snape's like, go and empty your bag. And it's kind of like, oh, he doesn't actually know he's got the Half-Blood Prince book. Harry's holding... The only thing Harry is holding in that scene is the wand and the Half-Blood Prince book when Snape walks in. It's like, okay, you were literally caught red-handed. And that leads me on to my third most hated change i'll get to my second most hated change the kiss scene mm. in the room of requirement a worst film kiss i've ever watched in my life i want to Makes rip my own eyeballs out peel my skin off with a really blunt yeah. vegetable peeler yep exactly in the books it's like this joyful moment where they run the quidditch and everyone's celebrating woo in this Ginny has just found out harry tried to murder another student and is helping him hide the evidence while they're both sad about it and then kisses him. Number two, Harry... Okay, no, there's three points here. Number two point is that Harry is kind of meant to want to keep the book. They cut that out. Like, that's meant to be, like, a bit of an evil point that Harry, like, kind of wants to keep the book. It's just like, oh, we got to get rid of it. Number three, at this stage, they knew that they were going to film, you know, film seven in a year. They had the book and that Harry would have to find the diadem in the room of requirement. And that they knew that in book six, he touches the diadem to hide the book. And that's how he thinks to look for it. And they go, nah, let's have Ginny hide the book. Let's not. Let's not include that. Let's not include the thing that will be needed to... And can you imagine how cool the flashback scene would have been when Harry's like running yeah. through the rune of requirement and then he's like, shit, I touched a diadem. What? Like, you could have even added... They've made... So they created this sound effect when Harry touches a horcrux. That's now been created. You could have added that in the background and he's, as he's hiding the book. It's just the lack of foresight for something that is so easily... You, you could have had something so cool you could have had such a cool flashback and you've fucked it you fucked it so badly yeah i mean that entire scene's so uncomfortable because it's like it's kind of done in a way where it's kind of trying to make it out like some weird kind of sex game do you know She's what like, i mean you could hide me up here like it's <laughs> kind of implied that they didn't go at it between the stacks and her like hiding it is some like naughty little hide and seek like he's gonna follow the trail of her clothes to where she's hidden the book and her virginity like it's just really uncomfortable they added to save time they added a stupid bit where Dumbledore's like Harry's like you can't operate inside a Hogwarts and Dumbledore's like being me has its advantage no being you doesn't have its advantages no one can operate in or out of Hogwarts fuck Dumbledore <laughs> has this even been established in the films I don't fucking know. Probably like, not. <laughs> I feel like if it has, which I don't feel like it has, I feel like it would have been brief and long enough ago that you could have just not put that line in. You know? Well, they have established there's extra security this year, so I don't know. Okay, interesting change. I don't hate it, but it adds, it changes the last scene entirely. Harry does not have Petrificus Totalis put on him during the scene where Dumbledore dies. Har Dumbledore just tells him, hide 
promise me you won't move and harry even is approached by snape who tells him to be quiet while i go sort it so this changes the scene massively because in the book harry has no choice but to watch what happens and he thinks oh my god i could have intervened but i couldn't like i i yeah. should have but i couldn't in should have would have in the films he's left with a much more real guilt of I could have intervened. Yeah. I really could have. And I chose to just trust Dumbledore and trust Snape. And that guilt is so much worse. Like, that's horrific. Yeah. But it, I just... I don't hate it because I actually think, like, it adds this level of sadness. But I don't think it's believable for Harry's character. Yeah. I don't think he would have stayed still. Oh, absolutely. He does not trust Snape that much. Exactly. And then we get to my second least favourite part after the burrow burning down but before the skin peeling kiss which is the last scene where they decide <gasps> oh, do you know what? Do you know what? Just just don't give one any lines. I don't think he needs lines. And he one. just sits there sulking in the background. Oh God. Like and they give all Harry and Hermione to- are having this like big heartfelt Ron's just like a sulky teenager. Because Rupert Grint was probably sulking because he got no fucking lines. I don't understand why he's just not part of the conversation. And then every now and then it just shows him like sat there with a face like a slapped Slapped ass. The films lampooned him to their own fucking detriment. (laughs) Brilliant use of lampoon. Thank you. But like they get to film eight and they're like, God, why is no one rooting for this kiss? You ruined it. You character assassinate. And also he's the best actor out of the three of them. Like for God's sake, just give a crumb. Give it, throw, throw him a crumb. It's just so bad. Like they just make him so detestable yeah and like it's it was so such a moving part to me at the end of book six and i talked about it how ron and hermione share in their own ways that we're with you we're going with you they give all the lines to hermione every single one where ron's just sitting there like it bad and then harry ends with just the stupidest line to ever be written how didn't i realize how beautiful hogwarts was it's the only home you you're an orphan who grew up under the stairs are you telling me you have never noticed how beautiful hogwarts is under the stairs cupboards in surrey look a (laughs) lot like giant fucking castles in the scottish highlands okay okay have you seen Serpentine Station? You know, that really... How have I never noticed That sets the fucking standard quite high. The entire point of every film and book up until now is Harry's like, oh, this is the most beautiful, wonderful, magical place. And then he's like, God, I didn't, didn't notice how good it looks. I don't know. Yeah, not when he was riding around it on a broom, on a hippogriff, hippogriff on, on a, a dragon. dragon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Harry. So in conclusion, this film is fucking stupid it's bad this microphone is determined to run away from me yes really dumb i don't know where i'd rank it in my film rankings me neither but yeah it's the thing is it's probably the most likely one though that i'm gonna stick on in the background yeah you know it's it's quite rewatchable i don't know because I quite like the first three for they're so atmospheric. They're so cosy. Yeah. So they're good background because I don't need to absorb them. It's so much more about like the soundtrack and mm. the like ambient noise of them. True. Yeah, this film's stupid. 
A little bit, yeah. And they had no excuses. At least with some of the others, all the books weren't out. So you could kind of forgive some of that. They could have just asked J.K. Rowling. But you yeah. can kind of forgive it. This one, you've got no excuses left to give. Absolutely none. Like, you should, you had all the information available to you. It's terrible. And that's <sighs> it. Thanks. Yeah. Do you have a question? No. Bye! <laughs> I can ask you a question. Okay. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever had someone kiss you in a crowded room? Probably. Was every single one of your friends making fun of you? Not that I can think. No. Well, 15 seconds later, they were clapping too? Definitely not. Then what did you do? Not that. Did you leave her house in the middle of the night? That seems unsafe. Did you wish you'd put up more of a fight? I feel like I'm being victim blamed right now. <laughs> when she said it was enough? What's going did on? Did you wish you could still touch her? Who am I touching? <laughs> Am I the victim here or the perpetrator? Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons. Yolanda, Sir Bandersnatch, Samuel, Michael... Kylie, Jasmine, Florian, and Ardent. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon, where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.